Welcome back to another episode of the Leading Saints podcast. If you've enjoyed content on this podcast, it's important that I tell you about the Leading Saints newsletter that we send out every week. This newsletter keeps you up to date on all the current Leading Saints content releases, including podcasts, articles, online events, and even live events that might be happening in your own area. In this newsletter, we also recommend some past episodes and written articles that you don't want to miss. Each week, we include additional leadership perspectives and thoughts that you can only find in the weekly newsletter. So you definitely don't want to miss out. To subscribe to the weekly newsletter, simply text the word LEAD to 474747 or visit leadingsaints.org slash subscribe. Again, text the word LEAD to 474747 or visit leadingsaints.org slash subscribe so you don't miss any future Leading Saints content. My name is Brett Clayson. I've listened to Lady Saints for a year and a half, and I think it's excellent. I love the principles that are used to help us become better leaders within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It has built tolerance and faith in my own leadership, as well as I love sharing it with others. It's helped me become a better disciple of Jesus Christ. Leading Saints is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping Latter-day Saints be better prepared to lead. And we do that through content creation, like this podcast, which we hope you will subscribe to. We also have a website at leadingsaints.org with thousands of incredible articles all about leadership in the context of being a Latter-day Saint. We host virtual summits, live events, and also have a weekly newsletter to keep you up to date on all things happening with Leading Saints. Visit leadingsaints.org for more information. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the declaration was made concerning the only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness, the loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away, and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability. Welcome back to another episode of the Leading Saints podcast. This is a How I Lead segment where we are talking with Brad Brockbank. How are you, Brad? I'm doing well, thanks. Awesome. And you are a, an elders quorum president in star Idaho, right? In the Boise area. I am. Yes. Treasure Valley as they call it. Right? Yes. <laughs> cool. You've learned that. That's good. Yeah. Well, I've been there quite a bit, have quite a few connections. So, you know, I know the lingo, you know, is, <laughs> and I know not to say Boise, I say Boise, right? So, Correct. You know, so <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, Brad, how long have you been serving as elders quorum president at this point? Just uh, a little bit over five years. Nice. Now, that's yeah. like a, I mean, that's longer than typical, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, I kind of straddled both sides before they made the combination between the high priest and the elders quorum oh, and then afterwards. So, yeah. So your, your clock probably started over and, you know, at that point. <laughs> it did. Yes. <laughs> 
That's great. Well, you know, we were first connected by our mutual friend, Jason Coombs, who's in your quorum. And he's been on the podcast before. Remarkable story. He runs a remarkable business, help uh, addicts recover. And just an awesome guy all around. And he mentioned, he talked about the, just the, he really praised his elders quorum experience and what he, his elders quorum president was doing. And so I said, Jason, we, I got it. I got to meet him. Right. And so that's, uh, that was you. And here, here we are having this conversation. And so I think this will be a educational, helpful, uh, how I lead segment as we maybe explore how you've approached, uh, being an elders quorum president. Do you remember like in, in the beginning of your time as elders quorum president, was there Anything in particular that you found helpful as far as transitioning into that role? You know, it was obviously baptism by fire for me. I would say, you know, I, I reached out to a bunch of people that I admired and kind of got their feedback, but everybody always referred me back to let the spirit guide, which obviously we hear that a lot. And uh, it kind of annoyed me at first just because I, you know, it's good to have some <laughs> advice with the spirit. But yeah, I, I think the biggest thing was for me to know firsthand to rely on the spirit when it started, but it took some time to get into tune with it. Yeah. And as we do on the How I Lead segments is I had you prepare a list of a handful of principles that maybe have helped you in your service there. Uh, so let's go through those and see what we can learn. The first one is listen to minister. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So my wife can attest to this. I'm not a very good listener. I'm, I'm a very task oriented person. So I, I make lists and I check them off. And, and so sometimes in the process of that, I forget to listen to the people. And so I put this one down just because I learned throughout the years that it is very important, obviously, to listen to the spirit. And we hear that a lot from our prophet today is, is learning to hear him. But I have gained a testimony that it's not solely through the spirit that we hear him, but it is through people that we come across and we talk to and as we meet with them in their homes, in the hallway and things like that. And just listening to what they're saying to you. And then at that point, the spirit will prompt you or help you to understand what that person is dealing with. And so listen to ministers has been kind of my mantra just to like, Hey, just listen. And then, so that's what I put that down for. Yeah, I love that because, you know, I'm the type of person, I think everybody obviously has their own method and process of, of hearing the spirit. Um, you know, some individuals, they'll go into a quiet room, they'll kneel down, they'll pray. And then after that prayer, they sort of have a prompting or a feeling. And that's just not typically how I roll. I mean, maybe there's a handful of experiences in my life where that's happened, but often it's like, all right, I'm praying and now I'm going to be proactive. I'm just going to jump in, engage with individuals, listen. And, and through that process, it's that's when the promptings come in a, in a simple conversation, right? Or in an activity, or as you're making a visit somewhere, suddenly these thoughts and promptings come that propel you forward and in, influence the decisions and choices they make. Absolutely. That's awesome. Next principle, stagnant water loses its purity. Wow. I, I, I feel a metaphor here. <laughs> yeah. I didn't try to, to sound like I'm pontificating by any means, but uh, no, I, I, uh, I've heard, you know, and I never really thought about it, but stagnant water obviously loses its purity. And so I thought back when I was a kid, I grew up on a small, I wouldn't call it a farm, but some acreage in Lehigh, Utah, and we had a pond and my brothers and I, we didn't have a pool, but we had a pond, so we'd go out and swim a lot. And over time, as we'd fill it up, it would fill up with moss and all these other things just because it was stagnant. But obviously, when we go and, and swim in the, the ditch and everything else, it was clean water. Well, 
claim it to where, where I thought it was. But, uh, you know, when we're just stagnant and we have one thing in, in place in serving and we just do that same thing over and over, while it might be a good thing, if we're not continually trying to grow and involve more people, it becomes stagnant and you're not progressing. And so that one was a big one to me because I, I tried to do everything by myself first. And I tried to not delegate a lot to my counselors because I didn't want to overwhelm them. But I found that's the purpose of having counselors is to delegate and to let them lead out and grow their wings and to bring what you know they've been blessed with to bring to that presidency. And so in not just expecting myself to come up with all the answers, but to have my counselors, my secretaries, everybody, and then also quorum members, you know, the more you involve everybody, the less stagnant you are, the more progression you have. So that's kind of what I was thinking with that. Yeah. And really utilizing your counselors to avoid the the stagnant quorum, right? And and yeah. giving them opportunities to, to shake it up a little bit and, and keep everybody proactive. Absolutely. Yes. All right. The next one, I'm not sure where you're going here. Don't inhale. (laughs) Yeah, it can be many different things. You know, one of my favorite lessons that I took from a general conference talk was, I believe it was Elder Uchtdorf. And he talked about when he was, had a calling and he got some advice when he was called, I believe to the Quorum of the Twelve. And I can't remember which Apostle gave this advice to him, but they said, Elder Faust, Jason's right. grandfather. So that's right. Oh, he's going to kill me that I didn't know that after that. So, yeah, it was. It was uh, President Faust. That's right. Thank you for, for reminding me of that. But he just, he, you know, as, as we serve in these callings and as we do things, you know, we're inspired to do what we try to do and, and some good things happen. And it's easy for us to kind of think, wow, I did a good job or wow, that. You know, man, I'm a really good college form president. Or man, there's a reason why I was called to this. And and I quickly got slapped in the face and, and realized that, you know, all these things come of God. And if we do what he asks us to, then yes, great things will happen. But it is still because of him that they are happening. It's the miracle of the atonement, all of these things. And so not to inhale when when people come up and say, you know, great job, great lesson, or Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it that you realize where the source is coming from. Yeah. Is there any uh, practice or routine that you have in order to, to keep that in check? Or is it mainly just, I assume maybe over time, you sort of get that habit of not absorbing or inhaling that feeling? Yeah, no, that's a good one. It, it took me a while to figure this out. You know, I used to come home and my wife, I tell my wife this, this will happen, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she was, a, she is a wonderful wife and she'd always listen. She'd smile, but she'd always remind me. She's like, oh, it's great to be you, isn't it? And, and so always having that thought came back to me, but also whenever you get a compliment or, or someone would share feedback with you is to always flip it to show where the atonement has come in with that to help people understand. And then it helps me to be more aware of that as well. Uh, next principle is uh, priesthood keys are real and meant to be used. Yeah. So this one, I remember when I was first called, I had a wonderful high councilman assigned to our ward and he was a very outgoing individual. I've had many great high councilmen, but this one in particular, his name is Greg. And, and he told me, he's like, you hold those keys. And, and I knew that and I understood the principle of it, but I really didn't understand what holding keys meant. And over time, he was very good at helping me to understand along with bishops 
that I've served with that the keys are there to obviously open doors and to, to give the authority to lead. But, but I've seen over years where state presidents and bishops have used their keys to leave a blessing upon the congregation or a promise. And there were experiences that I've had through serving just through understanding the quorum members and things that they were dealing with and just things and struggles. And I tried to put that to use to where if there was a particular thing that my quorum needed to be blessed with under the direction of the spirit, obviously, and praying about it, I would leave that blessing to my quorum. And I would leave it with a promise that, you know, if, if you do X or if you ponder and try to understand, you know, I leave this promise with you and I, these blessings and I just saw that over the years of doing it. Now, I didn't do it a ton. It wasn't every Sunday, but it was often enough to where, you know, they felt and they knew that that blessing came from Heavenly Father and that those were meant to be used. And I didn't utilize them as much as I should have when I first was called. But it's just something that I really have a testimony that they're there to be used and they're there to bless the people that you serve with. Yeah, and those sometimes uh, misinterpret the purpose of keys or oversimplify it. That sometimes, oh, he's the guy with the keys, so he gets the last say on on all matters, or and which may be true here and there. But to learn how to activate your keys and be proactive in, in, with your keys, you know, I remember in zone conferences on my mission, my uh, mission president would stand and give us sort of this uh, this blessing. Then he would always say, "According to the keys which I hold," you know, and and it was such a unifying incredible like moment as a mission to have our mission president pray for us and bless us according with his keys, you know? And so, you know, I don't, I don't know if I have a, a full comprehension of priesthood keys, their purposes, but I think the more we can explore that as leaders, especially leaders who hold keys, keys of presidency, as we learned from Barbara Morgan Gardner in her, her great episode that everybody should listen to you know, the more we can really understand those, the the better we can utilize them. And, and you'll, I think we'll find that it's more than just, uh, oh, he's the guy with, that makes all the, all the decisions. There's, there's a lot more that, that goes in those keys. Absolutely. So tell me about like this, you know, Jason's told me that just the feeling of your quorum is very open and it's very, you know, vulnerable at times. Like, there's this comfort there that uh, people appreciate and you really encourage elders to celebrate certain progress in their life. And, and sometimes that's overcoming a, an addiction or, you know, wrestle with sin or whatever it is. So maybe break that down. What was Jason getting after there? Or what was he talking about? Yeah. You know, this is, uh, you know, obviously to, to Jason's influence, our stake here in, uh, in star has been, in my opinion, been very, front of the curve with regards to being very open with plague of pornography and substance abuse and addiction and mental illness and things like that. And so for the past six, seven years since our state president uh, kind of came out with that, it's just been, it's been top level of mind and, and discussions have been happening. And it kind of started to where the stake obviously was trying to bring awareness of this plague. And I always grew up in a home and it's, it's not wrong, but you don't talk about sins or you don't talk about people's struggles because that's very private and things like that. And so it was very different for me to, to kind of experience this with this stake. But as I was getting in and, and as I was working with my bishop and my bishop would involve me in, in situations where there was an elder in my quorum that you know, was struggling with one of these with their permission, he would 
let me know. And then I would obviously reach out to them just to see if I can help in any way and just support them. And so over the years, you know, I was working with many different men alongside the bishop and just supporting them on the back end. And, you know, as they came up with these years of celebration of, of being sober uh, from substance abuse or from, from not looking at pornography or from, you know, milestones of mental illness, overcoming those, we would celebrate them. And one of my counselors came to me once and he came to me and he shared that he had had similar addictions with pornography and that, and that he wanted to share his story with the quorum. And I'm like, that's great. Never knew that that was a struggle for him. And he counseled me about being vulnerable and about being honest with ourselves and, and that helping being vulnerable helps other people to understand us a little better. And so that happened right around the same time that my oldest son came to my wife and I and just shared his experience that he had been suffering from pornography addiction as well that we were not aware of. But it had just weighed on his heart and, you know, he had met with Bishop and, and then he talked to us. So all of these things were happening at the same time. And it just, it's like, why are we being so secretive of this? Or why are we being so covert about all these things that people are struggling with? Because if, if so-and-so knew about so-and-so, they could help each other. And it's just kind of this big networking kind of thing. But obviously, confidentiality and to be respectful of, you know, some people aren't as open. So one year... One of the elders in my quorum had a celebration of, of, of reaching five years of sobriety. So I celebrated with them and he's like, yeah, I, I got this coin. He showed me this coin. And I said, would you be willing to come into quorum and share this five-year success and the coin with us? And he thought about it for a little bit because he hadn't really opened up a ton. Talked to his wife and he came to me that morning. He says, yes, I'm ready to do it. And I said, great. So... Before the lesson started, I just got out there and I said, hey, we are here to celebrate successes with each other. And one of the successes that I wanted to talk about today was so-and-so with regards to celebrating five years of sobriety. I'd like to turn some time over to him to share his story. He took five, maybe seven minutes and shared his struggle with pornography and the addiction he shared his his story about the process with when he talked to his wife and, and the bishop and this process of repentance. And as he's talking, I'm looking out over our, our quorum and grown men sobbing, just sobbing, because they could either relate or they felt love for this individual. And it just kind of went on from there. And he, went, he, he took the coin and he went around the room and everybody did it. After that quorum meeting, that was one of the most spiritual quorum meetings that we've had. The, the spirit was very, it was there. And after the quorum meeting, everybody got up and just gave him a hug. And I, I kind of thought about it from there. I'm like, you know, why not invite these men? They don't have to say yes. They don't have to if they're not ready. But from then on, every um, individual that I have been working with or that that um, that we were celebrating things, I would just invite them. And then it got to be to where more men would do it. And every year we would celebrate their success. And as new people would come in, um, we would share what we were celebrating and why. And it just became this culture of like, let's help each other. And uh, that's kind of how it got started. Sorry, that's a long-winded answer, but that's how it got started. That's exactly what I was looking for. So that's great. 
so what about uh, so again and i do want to highlight the principles here is uh you know you, it's not like you're you're pushing people to share or you're you're standing up an elders quorum and be like all right who's who's on to talk about their addiction this week all right like you're not doing any of that like it's very one-to-one and that takes a process of like building trust with the elders getting to know them but i promise you like i get these emails all the time actually today i got an email from somebody saying, Hey, I just have this awesome story of recovery from an addiction. Like, can I come on your podcast and share it? Like, I'm like, well, uh, we'll see. We'll see. And so when people taste redemption, they desperately want to share it. Right. And maybe they're not ready yet. And that's okay. That doesn't mean they're, they're doing it wrong or whatever, but when they're ready, it can bless a quorum award so much when you create a, a platform and create space for them to share that in their own way. Right. And like you said, five, seven, 10 minutes in elders quorum. I mean, I don't think the instructor is going to be upset by that. I mean, he's going to get teed up on the best spiritual wave. That's just going to pour over into their lesson. Right. And so, man, this is the, the principle here is like getting men to share their story and their share their recovery, share their, their interaction with redemption and Jesus Christ and these things. And, and uh, I often tell people, if you don't have individuals, maybe you're like, well, there's nobody in my, in my elders quorum, who's really struggling. That means you don't know the people in your elders quorum enough. Right. And I guarantee you, there are a handful of men that are struggling with either pornography or some other form of addiction or something like that. And so what do you say to those? Like, what about the the guys who's like are not struggling with pornography or like Jason's story with uh, substance abuse or things like that? And that, I mean, how do you get them to share their story when it's maybe not as dramatic? No, that's that's a good that's a good one because and you're absolutely right. It's so prevalent. I don't think people realize how prevalent it is. And obviously, I got a front row seat to a lot of things, and my eyes were opened. And um, you know. Until it hit home within my own home with my son, I didn't realize how close it was. I was kind of blind to it. And just, I would say to those that either haven't had a situation where they have personally been affected by it or haven't had a family member that's affected by it, that's a blessing. That's wonderful. But I would say that as you reach out and get to know your quorum members more and you build those tr- that trust, you will experience it because it is happening. And what I'm saying here is I'm I'm not saying that everybody's looking at pornography, just like what they said in the general conference, just because we talk about a subject doesn't mean we think everybody in the church has a problem with that thing. It's that in some capacity, it affects lives, especially the youth. And for parents and elders quorum uh, members, your youth are experiencing it. And having that just dialogue and what helped me is talking with my son about it. And just the things that he's experienced it and just listening again. So yes, that's what I would recommend is just when you're ministering to somebody, build that trust and then those opportunities will come that you can serve them. Yeah, that's powerful for sure. And I don't know if I said this earlier, but like, if you don't, if you're having a hard time of, you know, maybe everybody's saying, no, I don't want to tell my story. Find somebody outside of the the quorum or ward to come and tell their story. And uh, you can listen to this podcast and find numerous people have similar stories. Jason Coombs, right? He will go anywhere just about, especially in the, the Boise area. He'll tell a story all day, every day, you know, and, yeah. and just the, or he knows people who will, will do that. Right. So, and then as you model this, then men are like, Oh, I see. Like I noticed how when that guy told a story, nobody like ran out of the room screaming. So maybe I could tell my story, you know, and there it progresses. Any other thoughts as far as stimulating that, that vulnerability or 
Yeah, like you said, it's a simple thing. It doesn't need to be the focus of the meeting. Sometimes if the spirit directs it, it, it has been. I mean, it's certainly not meant to be an Alcoholics Anonymous or pornography is us. You know, that's not the purpose. It is meant to, when we've asked for opportunities for to show people the, the atonement in action, those uh, opportunities have presented themselves and we've had opportunities. So that's what I would just say is just be open to following what the spirit says and pray for those. So. Yeah. So do you get like saying like, hey, I got you know, obviously that individual passed his five year coin around, which is pretty cool. But do you get guys saying like, hey, I got a promotion at work today or this week. It was awesome or anything like that that often comes up. Yeah, we've had a little bit of that. It's opened up to where it's kind of got into employment, where some people have said, you know, I I'm currently employed, but I'm not happy where I'm employed. Hmm. I, you know, these are these are my skill sets. What what can you help me with? And so people have talked about their employment. People have actually even brought up, listen, new dad to a teenager. I don't know what's going on, but I know something's going on. So please help me. And it isn't something necessarily we discussed in quorum, but people have reached out to that individual afterwards and kind of talked to them. So yeah, it's, it's blossoming into a bunch of different things. Yeah, that's powerful. The last question I have for you, Brad, is as you've met five years as Elder Scorn president, I mean, uh, there may be there may be an end in sight. I don't know. I haven't talked to your bishop yet or stake president, but maybe five five years they, they may have a change for you. But uh, as you reflect back on those five years of leading, how has being a leader helped you become a better follower of Jesus Christ? You know, I would say it has helped me to understand. Leading has helped me understand that. I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> and that I truly have to rely on the savior, Jesus Christ. And it, what a blessing it is the way that the church is set up to where we are led by presidencies, bishoprics, that we have counselors to help keep us straight and help us to understand maybe where we are kind of veering off. But that being in this position has helped me understand how much the Lord loves everybody that there is an individual worth to everybody here on earth. And he knows us individually. I've felt that love for my quorum. And that has helped me want to follow my savior that much more to whatever he asked me to do. And that concludes this How I Lead interview. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, I would ask you, could you take a minute and drop this link in an email, on social media, in a text, wherever it makes the most sense, and share it with somebody who could relate to this experience. And this is how we develop as leaders, just hearing what the other guy's doing, trying some things out, testing, adjusting for your area. And... Uh, that's where great leadership's discovered, right? So we would love to have you uh, share this with uh, somebody in this calling or a related calling, and that would be great. And also, if you know somebody, uh, any type of leader, who would be a fantastic guest on the How I Lead segment, reach out to us. Go to leadingsaints.org slash contact. Maybe send this individual an email letting them know that you're going to be suggesting their name for this interview. We'll reach out to them. And... Uh, see if we can line them up. So again, go to leadingsaints.org slash contact, and there you can submit all the information and let us know. And maybe they will be on a future How I Lead segment on the Leading Saints podcast. And I remind you once again to text the word LEAD to 474747 in order to subscribe to the Leading Saints weekly newsletter.